Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, invites you to be the informed patient with the podcast that features experts from Central New York's only academic medical center. I'm your host, Amber Smith. New York State has more than 7,000 people on the waiting list for kidney transplants. It's an organ in short supply. With me to explain how kidneys are allocated is the Chief of Transplant Services at Upstate, Dr. Reza Saidi. Welcome back to the informed patient, Dr. Saidi. Thanks, Amber. Glad to be here. I know there are more people who need an organ transplant than there are people who are donating their organs. So what is the general system in the United States for organ allocation? Yeah, as you pointed out, the major obstacle that we have in uh, transplantation is not enough organ to transplant. Because of incidence of kidney disease increasing in this country, every day more and more people are added to the list to receive organ transplantation. As we speak, there are more than 100,000 patients on the list to receive kidney transplant and we don't have enough organs. Roughly in this country, around 25,000 transplants is done. And because there are not enough organs around, there's a lot of regulation goes on of how who are receiving these organs. As you know, there are two types of transplants for the patient who need kidney transplant. One is a live donor, and the other one is to receive an organ from a diseased donor. Obviously, if a patient have a live donor, that's just an story that we can talk about later. But to receive the diseased donor, there's a lot of regulation that goes in that who's going to receive these organs. Some of them has to do with the chance for the patient to survive, for example. And for example, kids usually get priority on the list to receive organ transplantation. And some of them has to do what's the predictive value of a successful kidney transplant. And all these factors goes in, or other thing is how long you've been waiting on the list, on the office, for example. All these goes factor in, and computer eventually generate a score for a patient. And based on that score, patient goes up and down the list to get organ transplantation. Recently, I think in March of last year, we changed the allocation system that patient can get the broader sharing of all these kidneys who are available. For example, in past, people in the state of New York were offered kidneys that were available in state of New York or maybe Vermont. But now we go 250 nautical miles from the donor hospital to increase the chance for patients to get organ transplantation. And this is something that we're actively monitoring. And so far, but it seems this system helped our patient in Syracuse. And since this allocation changed in March of 2021, the number of transplants that we're able to do increased by 50%. Let me make sure I understand. So when we hear about this waiting list, is that for deceased donors? Yes, that's for deceased okay. donors. So what you're saying is there's a list of people who need a kidney transplant. The person whose name is at the top of the list isn't necessarily the person who's going to get the next kidney. There's some other factors that go into it. No, after this is generated, that first ten person on the list, they offer uh, that kidney to that person. If that patient refused, they go to the next person. I see. Now, is this allocation for organs handled the same way for other organs, um, hearts, lungs, 
No, they're like different. That? For example, uh, for heart and lung or liver, because their chance of dying, creating an organ transplant is much higher, their allocation system is a little bit different and has to do with their severity of the disease and the chance that they might die without a transplant. If they're sicker, they go higher on the list. But for kidney, it's different because we can still have some time because we can maintain the patient on dialysis. Each so, organ have different allocation systems. So if you're living in Syracuse and you need a kidney transplant, did I hear you correctly that there's 250 nautical mile radius that that kidney could come from a deceased donor? Okay. Now, if someone needs a kidney and a pancreas transplant, are they on a different waiting list or how is yes. that handled? Yes, that's actually a very good point because a patient who have diabetes and kidney disease, they have very high mortality on uh, dialysis. That's why these patients who need to combine kidney and pancreas transplant, they get priority on the list. And because of that, the wait time for those patients are less because they do worse on dialysis. The average wait time for the patient who need a kidney pancreas transplant is about two years compared to five years for the patient just to the kidney transplant. Now, could somebody get on a waiting list in another part of the country? Could they be on more than one list at a time? Like if they live here, but they also spend time in Florida, could they get on a waiting list down in Florida? Yes. Also, that's allowable if you're listed at the other centers outside this state of you're living. A lot of states have a rule that in your state, you can just be listed in one program. But if you can establish residency in other states, you can be listed in other states too. And different states have different requirements to consider you as a resident. I see. Well, we're going to focus on kidneys since upstate transplant surgeons specialize in the kidney. How does someone go about getting on the list for a potential kidney transplant? What does the evaluation consist of? As soon as somebody realizes that they have chronic kidney disease, I would encourage them to get in touch with the transplant program and even evaluate it. There's extensive evaluation that makes sure that they can tolerate the transplant surgery and they have compliance, uh, for example, that they can take their medication after transplant. And we extensively evaluate this patient from a heart standpoint, lung standpoint, and from a compliance standpoint to make sure they're a candidate for kidney transplant. Is there anything that would disqualify them from being on the waiting list, such yes, as age? No, age is not actually a contraindication. Actually, recently we have transplanted 80 years old gentleman who was very active. Age is, itself is not, but if they have significant comorbidity, like for example, significant heart problem or significant lung problem, they cannot undergo surgery, or they have history of active cancer, for example. They have to treat the cancer first and then come back for transfer. Or they have history of substance abuse. Those are things that actually is contraindication for transplant. Or they have active psychiatric problems that they cannot comply with their regimen post-transplant. Those are the things that are uh, exclusion for organ transplant. Transplant recipients are considered immunocompromised, right? Pretty much for life. Yes. Unfortunately, still, uh, despite all the progress that we made, Patients have to take this uh, immunosuppression agent to prevent rejection for the rest of their life. Patients are immunosuppressed for the rest of their life. That's about, why they need close, close monitoring. Thinking about COVID, the vaccines for COVID and the boosters, are they offering enough protection to organ transplant recipients? 
Yes, we know that after the third uh, dose, 75% of patients will basically produce the antibodies. And even after fourth dose, close to 85% will boost antibodies. But still, about 10, 15% of patients will not boost antibodies because their immune system is suppressed and they have to be cautious. Still, wear masks and be aware of social distancing and be very careful. In the news lately, there have been stories about people who needed organ transplants, but they refused to be vaccinated against COVID, and so they were not given the transplant. So why is it important for a recipient to be vaccinated? Yes, I think that's very important because patients who are immunosuppressed have significant chance of dying because of COVID compared to general public. General public, the chance that you have a develop COVID and the chance of dying is about 1%. But for sick Patients who have immunosuppressed because they're taking these immunosuppressive drugs after organ transplantation, their chance of dying is almost 10, 20 times higher. That's why it's very important for these patients to get vaccinated before transplant. Because after transplant, even you vaccinate them, the chance that they may respond and develop an antibody against COVID is much less because of this anti-rejection medication that they are. This is Upstate's The Informed Patient Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Reza Saidi, the Chief of Transplant Services at Upstate, about how someone qualifies to join the kidney transplant waiting list. Now, can someone who is on the waiting list for a deceased donor kidney, can they move to the front of the line, so to speak, if they're able to find a compatible living donor, a friend or a relative who's willing to donate their kidney? Yes, and anybody who have a living donor can get that transplant and they don't have to go on the waiting list. And the waiting list is only for deceased donors. And as I pointed out, because it's a huge organ shortage, the wait time is higher uh, if you go on a deceased donor list, that's why we always encourage our patient to find a living donor that they can be transplanted on the faster pace. And usually the patient who have a living donor after live donor kidney transplant, they have a better outcome. That's why the, our number one choice that we recommend to the patient is go out there and find somebody in a family members or friends who can donate to you. So the survival rate for someone who receives a kidney from a living donor versus a deceased donor is much better for the person who got a living donation? Yeah, that's correct. Because we screen the living donor, you pick up the best. And also the patient who have a living donor, they don't have that much wait time on dialysis because dialysis can make you sicker and sicker over time. They're healthier folks who have a living donor and the quality of the organ that received is always better than the disease donor. That's why the outcome is much better compared to disease donor. I wanted to ask you how the COVID pandemic has affected kidney transplants and transplant patients. I know you've still been able to do quite a few kidney transplants during the pandemic, but how has this impacted the practice? In 2019, the pandemic started, the number of uh, organ transplantation in 2019 and 2020 actually decreased nationwide. But in 2021, we were able to catch up and the number of organ transplantation basically increased compared to 2020 and 2019. As I pointed out in our program, 
since the allocation change, we increase the number of all transplants by 15%. But we also be able to increase the number of live donor kidney transplant by close to 80%. I understand nationally, the number of kidney transplants set a record in 2021 with uh, more than 24,000. And the United Network for Organ Sharing says part of that increase comes from donation from individuals who died of cardiorespiratory failure as opposed to brain death. Can you explain the difference? Yeah, that's also a trend that we see that some of these donors are not brain, but they have significant brain damage because of head trauma or stroke or anoxia. You know, we see a huge surge of donors that unfortunately died of opioid overdose. And some of them have significant anoxic damage to their brain that they're not going to have a meaningful life, even if they survive. And based on the patient's previous wishes or the family wishes, they withdraw care. And if they die within one or two hours after they withdraw care, we rush them to the OR and remove their organs. And because of this opioid pandemic, I think we see a lot of the donors who are not brain dead, but they have significant brain damage. And after they withdraw care, we can basically remove their organ and use their organs for transplantation. Well, what does the person need to do if they want to make sure their organs are donated when they die? One thing they can basically sign on their driving license that I want to be an organ donor. The other thing, I just talk to the family member. I tell them if I became sick enough that I have no choice of survival or even if I survive, my quality of life is going to be significantly impaired. I want to be an organ donor. I think that's why some people have to understand. Basically, communicate those wishes with their loved one. And uh, unfortunately, if that moment happens, their loved one at the end have to make that determination. And if they express willingness to do that, majority of people honor that wish and will proceed with donation. Well, I appreciate you making time for this interview, Dr. Saidi. Thank you. My guest has been Dr. Reza Saidi. He's the Chief of Transplant Services at Upstate. The Informed Patient is a podcast covering health, science, and medicine brought to you by Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York. Find our archive of previous episodes at upstate.edu informed. I'm your host, Amber Smith, thanking you for listening.